welcome to a new edition of the brand called You. Today I have a very, very senior and successful executive from the corporate world. Pushpa Bekta, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pushpa is the executive director of DLF Shopping Malls and she's from the Oberoi Center of Learning and Development. Pushpa, you've spent a long time in real estate. Yes. Um, tell me about your early career, some of your learnings and maybe some of your challenges. <laughs> Well, I started my career with the Oberoi School, you know, so I much. came in from Bangalore, I okay. was a Bangalorean mm -hmm. and then moved to Delhi okay. and did the management training program, mm -hmm. which was highly sought after yeah. at that yeah. time. And uh, then post that, I was with the Oberoi's for four or five years okay. and uh, found that hospitality was very good. It taught me eye for detail, mm -hmm. it taught me the uh, quality, you know, uh, focus mm -hmm. that's so important yeah. to succeed in life. But I did find the pace a bit slow and uh, the empowerment was a little lacking. Yeah. And with that, so I took a decision to move to retail. Okay. It was 1995, I mm -hmm. think, when I moved to Domino's Pizza. Okay. Those That time, the brands were just entering the country yeah. and Domino's Pizza and uh, KFC mm -hmm. were the two first brands which came That's into true. the country. And I was interviewed by both. Mm -hmm. Then I chose uh, to work with Hari Bharatiya's mm -hmm. uh, first 11, you know, the 11-member yeah. team that yeah. he had established. And we actually went to Ann Arbor to get the brand into the country. And mm. I think that was a fascinating journey uh, because uh, we not only taught India how to have pizzas, but also we thought, taught deliveries which was non-existent. I know, your 30-minute 30 30-minute delivery, yes. Changed retail. It changed retail. Yeah. So it changed that there, if there is a promise and if you, in spite of the infrastructural challenges mm. you can deliver it mm. so it gave me a huge amount of learning in terms of you know how to create a, almost like a cookie cutter model Correct. but uh, very high on precision mm. very high on consistency mm. and uh, i think that gave me also that entrepreneurial bug you know the okay. thing of uh, startups yeah. so that was i was fortunate mm. that i have been working with uh, directly with the promoters uh, quite closely in my career and I understand their uh, sort of thought process very closely and uh, Mr. Bhartia's this was his first initiative I think and so uh, on his own uh, so he and Sham Bhartia were very very closely involved um, and uh, I have been a bit of a maverick in terms of uh, my you know, choices. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, I remember a very, very funny episode uh, that uh, we were just two women mm -hmm. uh, in that group who went and uh, one was had a fractured leg mm -hmm. and me, I was six months pregnant. Wow. Here we were tossing <laughs> pizzas at Ann Arbor. Yeah. But um, it was, I think it was a good time. Amazing. Yeah. And then uh, after... Uh, Domino's, Domino's DLF? Or? Uh, no, I moved to, in fact, when you talk about challenge, and uh, that's when I made mm -hmm. a, a bit of a stop because when I moved from there, everyone told me it's been five years, Pushpa, you've launched three zones, you have been the marketing mm -hmm. head, do something better with a Fortune 500 company. Mm -hmm. You know, you've never yeah. explored Fortune 500 Correct. and we always have that fetish, right? Mm -hmm. So Avon called me and I moved into Avon okay. uh, because Avon was also very big at mm -hmm. that time and uh, I didn't like it one bit okay. because that whole direct selling proposition, mm -hmm. it just didn't work with me. You know, for me, the direct to consumer was more my thing. Okay. And uh, I realized uh, that that didn't They're work at all. That was not at all my cup of tea. Okay. So around, I think the 10th month or so, mm -hmm. we were also looking at that point to 
possibly migrate to Canada, like mm. uh, the good old Indian yeah. ways then. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I quit them and went to Canada for a while. But I think that experience of that one year, in hindsight, it was tumultuous, mm. but actually it was my greatest learning. Because uh, on one hand, at a personal level, I was going through huge challenges. Mm -hmm. And as they say, when it rains, it pours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's what happens, okay. right? And so that at that time, we, uh, you know, I thought I'll go to Canada and establish with my husband and kids mm -hmm. and everything. But I found that in Canada, you have to, as an immigrant, mm -hmm. start from ground Stretch. zero, right? And um, and the way they looked at Indians, mm -hmm. the way they, they had a very different exposure to the quality of Indians. Correct who had come over and yeah. it just didn't agree with me mm. so i quickly came back it was uh, four months in canada and i came back and uh, uh, fortunately at that time they had uh, you know i had already put in my cvs and people knew me and uh, mr onkar kanwar was launching his retail foray okay. uh, the apollo yeah. tires onkar yeah. kanwar yeah. so they raja kanwar mm. called and then i became their uh, uh, vice president for uh, you know most of their uh, mm -hmm. retail chains mm -hmm. so i set up funky orbit for them okay funky orbit uh was the first drop and play kind of a mm -hmm. drop and shop kind mm -hmm. of a concept that came into the country and uh, it was very much like chuck e cheese in mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. and having stayed in canada for a while and the us for a while i understood the nuances of this and Got how it. this can be a great business so i set that up from scratch Again, uh, very entrepreneurial mm -hmm. and that whole startup energy yeah. gives me a lot of kick. And so then you create something, you can see the result. It's a, it's a great learning, right? Yeah. And uh, so then I was with them for a good five years. Uh -huh. I established three, four funky orbits. Okay. Um, fortunately for me, you know, uh, the first mall in the country mm -hmm. was Ansel Plaza. Yeah. Funky Orbits was in Ansel Plaza. Mm -hmm. I was a retailer. Yeah. So I end, uh, ended up being the CEO for that entire uh, yeah. retail venture yeah. for them. And uh, we also established another one at Phoenix Mills. Yeah. So then I realized that retail is where my passion is. Mm -hmm. Be it retail, be it retail real estate, malls. Mm -hmm. That's where my passion is. Mm -hmm. And that's what gets me thinking on my feet. Mm -hmm. We all have different qualities. Right. And uh, you realize that, um, you know, especially that whole 12 month experience, that mm -hmm. challenge, yep. it makes you create your life PL. Uh -huh. And then you makes you realize what you yeah. want to do. I know. And then you move to DLF. And then I moved to DLF. So tell me about DLF shopping malls. You know, you spoke about Ansel Plaza, which is on Kelgaon Mark, one of the early few. Yes. And uh, over the years, because I've been a retailer myself for 15, 16 years, I've seen. DLF shopping malls evolve, yes. you know, and you're building some incredible malls now. What is going behind the thinking of making it, you know, making your malls so upmarket and, uh, you know, they're always full. Yes. So what is driving such incredible footfalls to your malls, which are not going to others? See, um, as I told you, uh, the malls business is completely a one which is a blending two elements. B2B and B2C, Correct. right? So uh, if you get that blend right mm -hmm. and the malls business gets it right only if mm -hmm. we start looking at it from the design phase itself, mm -hmm. the location should actually determine and uh, I play a lot of importance. If the location is there, what's the catchment I'm talking Correct. about? Who are the consumers? Mm -hmm. Is the consumers, uh, you know, wallet power deep enough? Mm -hmm. 
Um, so we start thinking along those lines. And then we create a property which is tuned to consumers, yeah. not for retailers, yeah. not for developers, certainly. Yeah. And it's not it's not an ego play. At the yeah. end of the day, the mall's business is completely a consumer play. Mm. And um, uh, if you understand, uh, the entire retail play in Delhi NCR mm. started sometime in 2006. Correct. Right. And uh, 2008 is when we uh, did our first foray into the leased mall business. Mm. So what really works for the mall's business is A, the location has to be right mm. and if there has to be the right kind yeah. of tenant mix. But mm. more importantly, the control has to be with the developer. Mm. So the control uh, with the leased mall business, which came into foray in 2008 with Promenade and mm. Saket, etc. And Emporio. So the control is completely with, with us. Then we are able to determine the right tenant mix, the right marketing, mm. the right kind of... Uh, you know, also the right kind of employees, Correct. which will fit that space. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, then you really go end to end and create a, a very well orchestrated uh, mechanism. Mm. And so what we did is that when we started Promenade, I was very clear that what should the positioning be? Mm. It was in Southwest Delhi. Yeah. And uh, most of, uh, you know, the embassies were around and there was nothing. Mm. So uh, we, I looked at it and I said, where are they going now? Mm. And it's very important to understand where people are going there and why are they going there. So I noticed that Vasant Vihar shopping complex used to be the most favored spot Absolutely. for these people. Yeah. And uh, the second was Khan Market. And But what the problems were plenty over yeah. there. So we decided, uh, we looked at, in fact, at that time, the marquee deal was actually Zara and mm -hmm. TGIF. Mm -hmm. We pulled out TGIF, which was such a marquee yeah. tenant in Vasat mm -hmm. uh, Vihar, mm -hmm. pulled them into Promenade. Okay. So when we did that and we got Zara into, uh, you know, then the tone was set. Correct. Then we created a fashion forward property. Okay. So what I'm trying to tell you is that the moment you create the positioning right, mm -hmm. and then you're clearly targeting that market, uh, today, anything which is to do with style is visible at Promenade. Correct. And hence, the conversions are the highest mm. in the country in Promenade. Mm. And, and yet, Emporio, I assume, you positioned as a luxury. As luxury. And the two of them complement right, each other, and right? One, uh, yeah. And then the hub is the meeting spot. Correct. So we create a lot of events and those kind of things were unheard of then. Correct. That one would curate events. So we started it right. Um, now, then we went on to, of course, Cyber Hub. Yeah. Again, mm -hmm. we wanted to anchor Cyber oh. Hub as an FNB anchor to Cyber City. Correct. Um, and uh, it started off as with some 300,000 square feet of space mm -hmm. with some 40 restaurants. Uh, rest is history because once we created it, it became so successful. Um, People all over the country are talking about Cyber Exactly. There, no one had done something like this. The important thing in the mall's business is that it's constantly evolving. Correct. Today, if you look at Cyber Hub, so Cyber Hub is today almost 600,000 square mm -hmm. feet. Uh, we have we relaunched Cyber Hub a year back yeah. with 80 restaurants. We increased areas. But today, we've taken it to a notch higher. We've added some fabulous retail. We've got Uniqlo, I know, I was there. which is opened to great Huge success. Yeah. yeah, And it's, it's a glass box created. Yeah. We've got Decathlon, we've got Marks and Spencer, yeah, yeah, we're going yeah. to be doing a multiplex there now. Mm. So and that will become a completely you're making it like a destination. Destination, mm. but outdoor. But know. let me ask you uh, a question from the other side, which is also yeah. your property. Yeah. A DLF Galleria. Yes. 
is now seen as one of the most expensive real estates yeah. in Delhi certainly yes. maybe in India yes and it is not a mall it's a strip mall exactly so is there how how do you manage this i'm not sure the right word is conflict or the, the contradiction between a luxury mall and a strip mall and both of them delivering such incredible revenues actually it's not a contradiction okay um the galleria model is a model that we intend to replicate in certain spaces sure the galleria model is one where it's it's the ideal neighborhood Correct. spot yeah. you can't get better than that yeah. uh, you know and as a neighborhood destination what tends to happen is what do you need uh, you need the usual sort of consistent Correct. good quality food yeah. salons etc yeah. but once beyond that is how do you make it more interesting mm. that even a neighborhood destination can create phenomenal revenue due to the density of population mm. so i think a galleria model works because we are surrounded by a phenomenal density of Correct. good population yeah. Yeah. and people just like to walk in mm. the other thing is that today you know i think people like to have an outdoor experience much mm. more mm. they don't like to have too much of indoor experiences because they're all staying in condos yeah. and yeah. you know and that's one thing that comes through very clearly mm. in research so going forward in our properties also we will have a phenomenal outdoor play sure. just like galleria yeah. or cyber hub yeah. and it will maybe merge into a mall a big box but the big box is not the only thing that we would do i understand yeah. i understand so you know moving on you know just a few minutes ago you spoke about getting the right tenant um my question to you is how do you determine what is the right tenant and you need a mix of food you need big brand names you need smaller people how do you determine what is the right mix without so, giving away any secrets it's okay <laughs> um so let's let me add take the example of mall of india okay so mall of india was a greenfield project uh, uh we wanted to create a destination mall mm-hmm. we started it with uh, just a million square feet mm-hmm. today it's 2 million square feet okay we doubled it along the way and that's where the answer lies what happens is that in our country uh, the there are brands there are international brands mm-hmm. but the ability to stretch the market depending on the wallet power mm-hmm. is the key to the success of the developer correct so in mall of india what we did is we actually zoned the property into marketplace international boulevard mm-hmm. and uh, the high street and then we went on to doing the family world and the entertainment zone six levels huge disadvantage people said that aapke three level ke upar aur chalega hi nahi so and that was the constant rant mm-hmm. that we had so then i really thought long and hard and i said okay i'm going to stretch the market mm-hmm. we have some phenomenal local retailers mm-hmm. in this country yeah. who do phenomenal business absolutely and there was this whole play on just focusing on international brands mm-hmm. and the time has come that we create that difference give them the pride of place mm-hmm. and so we actually i went around trudging the market between rajouri garden mm-hmm. to kamla nagar wow. to south x to mm-hmm. any bang you know to chennai yeah. and uh, looked at the best of indian retailers and then got in got them in here so what happened is that that stretched the market wow. to what it was and mm-hmm. uh, and and the other thing that i also see is that tenant mix is not something that is again a cookie cutter syndrome mm-hmm. tenant mix will be evolving okay. every project my tenant mix is so different mm-hmm. to what it was earlier yeah, absolutely you know so how do we decide for a mall of india at that point mm-hmm. we said that okay we will look at 
say around uh, 30 40% anchors mm-hmm. uh, the vanillas would be you know fast fashion yeah. Yeah. and we said that we will dedicate around 20% to F&B mm-hmm. you know around 80 to 20% to F&B and entertainment that was a thought then mm-hmm. we created a huge success with that but tenant mix ratios have changed mm-hmm. and we have to change because when we see the dynamics it you know mall of india today is the most successful project imagine. in the uh, malls business in the country uh, it does around um, almost 1800 uh, crores of uh, turnover wow. per annum in sales wow. and uh, we get uh, a good 2. Point, uh, around 1.8 million people were the ones who visited in december phenomenal success Amazing. well um, you're everyone's waiting for your big mall in gurgaon yeah but why i mean we can't rest in the malls business right. you just can't rest right. so the decision of tenant mix is that now we say hey um do we want 15 to 18% fnp or do i want to increase it so when my next opportunity came in i took the risk of increasing it to 30% of fnp now that's a phenomenal yeah, risk i agree yeah so how important is food in when you are designing a mall because it's a very critical part of every visitor who's coming to the mall it is um in fact my latest buzzword is food hmm. is the new fashion huh. <laughs> there was a time when fashion was fashion Correct. but food is a new fashion come yeah. instagram everyone likes to instagram food what they eat is what who they are they take a lot of customized you know sort of uh, can i say a, a pride mm-hmm. in what they have um, this is the day and age of keto diet to this to that whatever you know great conversations over food yes so uh, fnb is what i think uh, now uh, derives stickiness uh, also interestingly international food and beverage brands have not done as well mm-hmm. as indian operators indian. who are very good with international concepts mm-hmm. so maybe there's someone here no, who's a great indian operator but who's good with malaysian okay. or vietnamese yeah. or whatever yeah. instead of just getting an international brand mm-hmm. and create some of them are successful mm-hmm. but i wouldn't say that's the only way to success mm-hmm. so i think for us as a mall developer our biggest challenge and interest is the fact that we should always look at the trends the consumers are seeking and uh, fill that need before they even realize that there is a need correct and that's what keeps us ahead of the curve correct. so one more question on malls before i move to the next uh, part um there's been a lot of mall development in southeast asia yes and china of course how much of the lessons of southeast asia um, are we drawing in india or are they completely different i think the southeast asian malls are a great spot okay. for learning um be it less in singapore more in thailand uh i in fact keenly watch i have deep relationships with all the the yep. cm people the central uh, great respect for how they operate because the markets are similar correct similar infrastructural challenges but very dynamically uh, looked at correct again uh, when i look at let's say cm mm-hmm. or central they've also dwelt deep into the thai retailers okay. they've not just stuck with international retailers and that's exactly what i do yeah. you know uh, the more you delve into your own today's uh, best practices and the beauty is this that we are adopting western values 
but not losing the Indian ethos. ethos. And yeah. that's what I see happening even in uh, Bangkok yeah. Yeah. and Thailand. So we draw a lot. Uh, we do think that they are ahead of the curve by at least two notches, mm -hmm. even today. Mm -hmm. uh, the CM icon is a great example. Yeah. I met this lady, Pam, who's the owner, CEO. Fabulous lady. Very, very passionate about what she does. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's created this phenomenal mixed-use development, mm -hmm. which is ahead of the curve. Amazing. So, yeah. Definitely learn from that. So let me move to another part. And uh, I ask this from all the ladies who come on, on my show. It's on gender balance. Yes. You know, you're a very senior professional. You've broken through the glass ceiling. You spent 20 odd years in the, as one of working in different companies. What are your views on gender balance? Is it a lot of lift service in our country? And if, and the second question related to that is, what can we do to expedite the gender balance? Hmm. Interesting. So, is there gender balance today? No. Uh, unfortunately, no. But uh, as women leaders, one of the things that I try to do is get the equation much more right. Uh, but, however, I would like to do, uh, you know, put this in a different manner. I don't think women need special treatment. Correct. Not at all. Um, I think women need to be sort of given that right equal opportunity. opportunity. That's it. Mm. Beyond that, they're capable oh, enough and they'll just go ahead and do Absolutely. what they have to. So I'm as uh, tough on my women employees mm. as I'm on my the male sure. employees. Sure. However, from a gender balance point of view, it's important to make that correction. Because I have seen that it also adds the right kind of culture mm -hmm. within the ethos mm -hmm. of... Uh, and in retail real estate especially, it makes a lot of sense. You. you go to Southeast Asia, mm -hmm. most of the women leaders are uh, sort of recruiting more women mm -hmm. because retail is something that works very well with women. You know, uh, it's, it's natural to them, I guess. Uh, more importantly, I think it's a hardworking profession. You know, so I always said in, in Guardian, we had 1,200 yeah. employees and yeah. about 35% were ladies. Yeah. And I always told our HR head, the work ethics yes. of our women employees yeah. was significantly higher. Yes. I mean, it was not even as if it was at par or marginally higher. So, you know, uh, I always used to say that we must have more women employed because once a woman is in the workplace, yeah. I know work will get done. See, I, I agree. But at the same time, I don't like to create a brush stroke I, on I, it. Uh, what I would like to say is that I see women these days who are coming into the workforce, they're not looking for special privileges. I don't get the thing that, you know, I'm so-and-so's daughter. Can yeah, you give me a job? It's more like, hey, you know, I've educated I'm myself here and I'm passionate about this and I think I can add value. Yeah. So whoever adds value, whatever the gender, is welcome. Mm -hmm. But in India, I think it is what is happening is that um, as across the world, as women are coming into the workforce, their ability to rise up the ladder, mm -hmm. that's the one which I think is a challenge. Sure. Because uh, in India, even today, uh, mothering, has, is primarily a woman's job. Right. That time she does take a back seat. Yeah. Uh, they do tend to sort of uh, fall off the workforce mm -hmm. and then they want to come back. Correct. Are we giving them opportunities? I would like to do something in that space further down in my life because I think we are not giving enough opportunities yeah. Yeah. for women who have taken that sabbatical mm -hmm. for a good reason. 
um, and they're all talented True. there. I'm graduates, etc., yeah, etc. Yeah. Et but in India, we don't have that. We want continuity mm, of service. I know. I know. That's you true. know. I agree. Yeah. So a few questions now uh, on you for you personally. You know, over the years, have you had any mentors? And if yes, what have you been your learnings from them? <laughs> See, I think we in our lives we have inspirations. And we suddenly see that, hey, you know, I like to be like her or him. Yeah. So one such person when I was uh, young, uh, during my school days and college days, was my mommy. Okay. She, Indra Vardarajan, mm -hmm. she was, uh, you know, with care. Yeah. She was one of those women who were leaders of her times. Mm -hmm. She would dress up, I remember, in starched cotton sari like Indra Gandhi. And mm -hmm. she had a personality and an aura. And mm -hmm. uh, she would multitask. Okay. Uh, she had a late marriage. She had kids. She would multitask, but very high up in the CSR space. Mm -hmm. uh, and went on to being director in multiple companies. Mm -hmm. And I used to look up to her and said, I really would like to be like her. And at that time, women were not, you know, working so much yeah. if they were they were working in a bank mm. they were working in you know those safe yeah. options of mm. teaching mm. and banking uh, and this lady would stand out like a beacon so yes definitely Amazing. even today I would uh, you know I catch up with her we both have a special bond <laughs> that got formed beyond that of course um, as we move along we see one sees inspirations mm. so I don't think I have been influenced as much mm. with anyone else but I'm, uh, you know, you get influenced by people mm. as you move along mm. and you say, uh, this person is a great uh, influencer. Correct. But mentor is a very strong word. Okay. <laughs> I take that. Yeah. So uh, next question to me, uh, you know, again, based on all your success, what would be three adjectives that define you? Hmm. I think uh, number one would be perseverance. Mm -hmm. Number two would be grit. Okay. And number three would be strategic intelligence. Okay. These three define. Well said. Well said. <laughs> and, you know, you also said women are responsible for mothering even today. How do you manage your work-life balance? I, it's a long story. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, when I went to Canada at that point, um, since then I'm a single mother. Mm. And I have sort of... Uh, been a very proud single mother mm -hmm. and I have two lovely children uh, and my children are uh, today sort of you know they saw me struggle mm -hmm. with no money okay. at that point in time and uh, they've seen the struggles with me they've grown with me so as a single mother I say that you know there were challenges that I faced mm -hmm. but uh, the beauty is that when you grow with those challenges then uh, everything becomes True. easy you know, and I've never been a person who sort of uh, cried over anything too much. Mm -hmm. I kind of tend to get dust and move. And uh, I think my children have been really instrumental in motivating me mm -hmm. to be not just a better person. They never cribbed if I came back uh, late to from work. Mm -hmm. They understood that I had a house to run, yeah. uh, tuition fee to pay, and they supported me all through. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So, Pushpa, my last question to you, and this relates to failure. You know, and I always ask my guests that in India particularly and probably all over South Asia and Asia, we never teach our children that it's okay to fail. Yes. And yet we've all failed yes. many times. Yes. What have been some of your learnings from some of your mistakes or failures? I think failures teach you far, far more than 
you know, success. Mm. Uh, of course, failure, you can call it failure or you can call it an experience. Um, you know, a wrong job choice, like mm -hmm. I told you about Avon. Yeah. Uh, another uh, failure I can clearly remember is the fact that uh, I wanted to immigrate without understanding the nuances of immigration. Correct. Both these were uh, decisions taken mm -hmm. with not too much of thought, uh, but more emotion, you know. And uh, then I realized that, uh, but those two experiences taught me the most. Mm -hmm. It sort of gave me enough understanding of who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, actually, there's been no looking back. Wonderful. So, yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Pushpa, thank you very much for thank being you. on our show. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. Thank you. And I'm going to say, I wish you many, many more million square feet. Thank you. How sweet is that? Thanks Good so luck. very much. Thank 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 you for listening to the Brand Called You podcast. Be sure to visit tbcy.in to join the conversation, access show notes and discover fantastic bonus content. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Simply search for The Brand Called You. Thank you and see you next week.